One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Include, but it's not later. Talk of Star Wars, not Reagans. We can't truly prepare for the junk that follows this song. But hey, we give it a try. So here's the Knights of Vader. They are divided For equal sequel hate and love they fight it I know that we are just musicians hired And their time is up So here's the Knights of Vader Impressive Most impressive Thank you Annabelle Superiority Complex for providing our theme song uh, It is October 16th, 2022 uh, you got me Grand Admiral Zinger. Of course, you got my Lieutenant Joe. Hello, everybody. Weapons Officer Russ. Reporting for duty. Hello. And Quartermaster Chris Porteous. Happy to be here to discuss the all-important fireworks factory. Yes, yes. The, Finally made it. Yeah, we made it to the fireworks factory. Um, how, how poignant and awesome that joke became. Uh, yes, we are going to discuss the next arc in the andor series um so very very excited to get into this um since i watched these as a chunk they all kind of blurred together for me so i'm going to hand off to chris for the episode breakdown all right so the the best thing about the last few weeks i think is it really in the online star wars uh response discourse it really you know, it really separated the children from the adults, I think, a little bit. Because, you know, like, there was a whole lot of typical, like, on, especially on a little bit with episode four and a lot with episode five. There was a lot of people being like, yawn. I don't know what's going on here. I'm bored. I don't know. I'm, I don't know what I'm watching anymore. I fell asleep during this. And I think, you know, you really got to keep in perspective that they're they're not that long. Even though this is the longest Disney Plus Star Wars show, it's only going to be 12 episodes. And if you sort of think about it as a complete finished thing, it still has a lot going on in a short amount of time compared to like any other sort of narrative drama on television, whatever being on television means anymore. But but anyways, you know, there's a lot of people complaining about four and five. And then obviously six was a game changer. But if we're if we're taking it chronologically, you got episode four simply titled Aldani and these three episodes are directed by Susanna White and written by Dan Gilroy. He's a pretty good writer as far as the Gilroy boys go. Hmm. The BGs, yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. And uh, th- this first one, it's just uh, Cassian and Luthen have uh, have 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 left Ferrix. Luthen sort of pitches this uh, this heist to Cassian, and he's going to drop him off to join a rebel cell as they sort of plan to. Uh, steal an imperial payroll from a garrison yeah that's on what's that planet called is it just called aldani or is that the people and the planet i i know it's it says aldani it says the aldani skies to escape um yeah yeah in the description it says the aldani skies to escape since their getaway vehicle is slow right so i'm going with yeah it's it's the people the planet and probably the city nearby too Right. And then, you know, and uh, warrant officer Steve, whatever his name is, who got fired, uh, he goes back to his mommy in this episode, I think. And, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, you mean Cyril Karn? Yeah. Oh, yes. Paul, let's not disrespect <laughs> Cyril Karn. He's, uh, I think he's a breakout character yeah. in this. 
I can't remember if he showed up at his mom's at the end in episode three or in this one, but you know, it's it you get you, they you get a little sampling of his home life in this one, and and, and it, like four and five don't really have a um, super poignant ending. Um, but I, I don't know, man, I'm loving these dialogue scenes. Like as far as star Wars dialogue scenes go, these are real believable. They're good. Uh, yes, it does happen in this episode. Cause you also get the, the complete breakdown of that, um, whole, like the, the, the ISB going in and being like, uh, we're going to, we're going to smash this thing to bits now because they messed up and us as the empire are going to show them who's boss. Yeah, yeah, I love the uh, the two factions we kind of see at work. We don't really know why we see them, and I just want to say real quick because I didn't get to come on the uh, on the on the first three episodes, but I don't know things that people describe as like the boring talk. It, I, I don't know. I'm loving all of it. Like my favorite scene from those first three was watching Cyril Karn and his boss, the Scottish guy, just slowly talk about how the business worked out there and going over the case. It, I, I know I'm acknowledging I'm watching. I'm like, this is so boring, but I, I'm hanging on every word of this. Like, I don't know why I'm just so involved in this. Uh, well, do you do you distinctively remember which part was episode four, Zanger? And what were your thoughts on that? Um. I know that it's the whole setup of them, of him joining the group and everything. Oh, oh wait, for, for which character? Well, I I mean, it, it is the setup. Like, Luthan and, and Cassian are sort of talking about the game plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, you get a little bit of, I guess this one is, this is oh man, is Four the one where, you, where, where Luthan gives Ky- the Kyber Crystal to Cassian? Yes, because Luthan leaves right after that to go to his... Um, to go to his um oh bizarre no 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 his um fan service store because they don't really put fan service anywhere else in this see that's Dude. what's good about this is it's it's there but it's not distracting yeah well there's there's a good amount of fan service even before you get to to uh Luthen's store because he he mentions the kyber crystal was somehow associated with the rakatan invasion which the rakata are an alien race that like somehow like took over most of the galaxy in Yuzan Vong style, uh, but like four thousand years earlier, and they're I yeah, think they, old republic. Yeah, that's Knights of the old republic. You, I think by the time you run into them in three thousand uh, BBY in Legends, they are relegated to a primitive race that's like on a tropical planet, and they don't even have ships anymore. But it's pretty cool to hear that reference because it's like, like it's once in a while you you get an interesting totally irreverent deep cut from the story group because you know the gilroys have no clue what their cadence are so it's good that someone's watching their back there and there was another real strong force unleashed reference before besides we get the armor yeah besides the armor and i you know, know that there's a reference to the um i can't remember what the planet's called but it's the shipyard yeah well well even besides that um so basically uh when when luthan goes out to to meet vel and 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 let her know that cassian's uh gonna be joining the the crew with his pseudonym clem uh cassian has a brief exchange with uh luthan's navigational droid who's voiced by david collins who is the voice of proxy in the force unleashed so that's pretty cool they re they reuse the david collins as a as a droid which you know that's it's fun it's a weird deep cut they could have anybody voice that right it's cool yeah joe joe uh do you remember four distinctly from five and six what do you think of four i love the i think that was when they were in the ISB, Mm -hmm. and that was that was actually really good 
especially, you know, it's, it's like if you worked at any, any store growing up or anything like that, and you have all these people, this is how we do things here. And they go over their mission statement. But what we actually do here is X, Y, and Z. So, and it was, it was nice to see how they were, it was a, you know, big old empire, but they were like, make sure you get your report in on time. I've wanted something like this for the longest time in Star Wars. I know that some of the books have it, like the Thrawn books have it, where there's this political intrigue with the, like, officers and the fact that since Palpatine sort of is a evil Sith Lord, it's kind of implied that if you want to move up, you got to be a backstabbing a-hole, which is something Thrawn isn't, so he always had trouble moving up because he never played the political game. He's just like, my talents will carry me. But I, I like that in this, how like the we, we get the one officer who's trying to mingle into other stuff and everything and get into everyone else's business. And I like that aspect of it. It's something I would watch an entire series just based on like polit- like a um Empire Law and Order or something. Uh House of Cards, um um West Wing, just something like that where we're just dealing with a ton of Imperial officers and don't even need the J word ever mentioned. It's like the mundane. They're they're accenting the the mundane in this too. Yeah, it's, it's, and that's I think what's what I'm eating up is more of that. It's like you don't ever see that in the movies. You don't ever see no. them like oh, make sure you get your quarterly report done. Yeah, or I mean, if the most we get is the whole like, oh, you're going to see a ton of Senate stuff. It's like that's bureaucracy. I want to see detailed bureaucracy. Someone not turning their report in, or the, or the, or just stuff like that. Just everyone. Like, because it's mentioned time and again by Andor that the Imperials feel that they're too big to fail. But they're also very competent with the way they're showing up. For the most part, the the Empire actually seems to be almost a step ahead where they are going to uh, step in. And that, that you know, makes them more of a threat in these in these smaller time battles that, that, but, that they're going at after isn't, you know, just a bunch of droids running into each other. But also, are they going to listen to the people who are telling them that there's something on the horizon? Yeah, I think you've got. It seems like a, a battle's going on each side of who's right about what's mm-hmm. going on. As far as I, I love it, it's it's very yeah. I mean, it's intrigue, but that's what it is. This whole um, this whole arc, especially that fourth one. Yeah, that's also the one where you meet the the team of rebels, right? Where yep. you kind of get everyone's profile real quick, and they're all you know pretty well done characters. Yeah, uh, sure. For, for a high poet, sure. Get a writer for the first time. Is, he, is this fine? Is this going to be the the, uh, the Gilroy's favorite thing? Like, yes, we can write about a writer. There's a writer character now. He's going to change everything. He's the writer with his manifesto. Yeah, the the one that we know is going to die. Wow. Uh, well, you know, you know. So, like, just because I have a real hard time separating them, episode five is called "The Axe Forgets." Yeah, I love that quote. I love that quote. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's my that's one of the more interesting parts uh, parts about it. And you kind of, you know, you can kind of sort of understand that something or someone that just routinely causes uh, damage and misanthropy in their exist general existence doesn't dwell too long upon each particular action. And it's you know it's pretty deep if you think about it. But it's, <laughs> it's even deeper if you think Andor is asked or. Clem is asked, "Who'd you get? Whose gun is this?" And he goes, "I don't. I didn't get the name." He in that situation is the axe. 
Whereas um, whatever person, see, I don't even remember his name. He's the tree. And his whole life is going to become obsessed with hunting down Andor. And Andor doesn't even, probably won't even recognize him. It's it's going to be the um, the Thanos, I don't even know who you are thing. So <laughs> Any, anyway, sorry, sorry to interrupt. I, I just, I just really, I just really like that quote. And I really like how there's a lot of that at play in this episode too. Yeah. Well, all the, all the pieces are sort of in the same place as they are in episode four. Like, and I think that's what all, all the, you know, all the mouth breathers out there didn't, couldn't stand for that. Not, not, not a whole lot of progression happened, you know, Clem and the, and the, these rebels are sort of on their hike through the Himalayas this whole time. And uh, they get their, their, you know, their fitting hats that match their, the earth geography for where they're uh, walking through. And, you know, you do, like you said, you don't get a lot of, uh, maybe you, you sort of felt like you didn't get a lot of time with the, the rebel crew as far as a heist movie goes. But I mean, if you think about it, like it's probably more than usual between these two episodes yeah. and, and, you know, I, and just like, uh, just like an episode four, you have your intercutting with the ISB and I'll, I'll never remember, um, is the isb's people's names to save my life you got the lady and you got the guy who's like messing with her and not letting her look at his files no clue what they're called here um there I, I got all their names here but i don't know which are which dedra miro is her name that's dedra good dedra okay yeah so she's like she's trying to connect the dots between all these like various attacks that everybody else doesn't really want to rock the boat and sort of figure out what's going on there and she's trying to move up yeah and you know like like got and it's you know it's like the the resistance she's experiencing in the office is not unlike uh you know the corporate security boss in the in the first uh couple episodes where he's just like you yeah, know it's really not worth it for us to look into this it kind of looks bad in general you know it, it you know what it reminded me of one of the funniest moments in the empire strikes back when you look on it retrospectively when when the pro droids all go out and one of them's like, check it out. I'm videoing the rebel shield generator and they sends it back. And this guy's standing beside Vader and his immediate reaction is, yeah, it's probably it's nothing. Not we should probably not even look into that, even though we have video of it right now. It, and it's like, it, you know, it could, it could be anything. We're not, we don't need to bother going there. Even though it's... Vader's like currently looking at his monitor. And, <laughs> and, you know, just like the comedic incompetence of that is just like, it's not lost on me and it, it felt consistent with it, it just it just felt lived in, in in a way that i haven't it lived in and practical and real in a way that i haven't felt from these things in a long time like there's no office bureaucracy in the first order you know like they just don't have they just can't figure it out you know but uh <laughs> I, and that's why they failed yeah exactly they couldn't you know they didn't realize they needed to keep the senate running even though there's like five people who show up to work you know yeah i, I get to mention that. that i guess that was a later one yeah we got to see yeah. i i got excited seeing the senate i didn't think it would bring that out in me but seeing i was like oh who's gonna be here and then you get oh my god there's no gritos or anything screaming at each other aqualish guys it's real quiet yeah everyone's been leaving that was the best part she's sitting there talking and next you know they get up and start leaving they're like ah i'm done with this uh no the lieutenant gorn who's the double agent stuff was really good about like the them like his like a few of the people were asking to have off to be able to watch the 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 eye and everything and it was like I said, the whole thing was interesting seeing the motives because we don't really find out why he's 
being a double agent until the very like until his very end and the very end. Sorry, spoilers. Um, with that too. Yeah, I mean that, but I mean I just love the portrayal of the Empire here. It's like it's it's so, and I mean it it gets crazier in in uh, episode six, but it's so like practical and and nuanced like one of the like you know like i just get into it with people like online like like who don't like this series and it's it's just joyous you know like it (laughs) they they just like disney's portrayal of the empire especially in stuff like rebels is just like they're just such comedic they're like they're so malicious and stupid about everything that there's no way they could actually like functionally run an empire like i guess they didn't and they were so terrible that the rebels defeated them in less than 18 years. But, but you know, like sometimes they're just, they just blow things up and mess with civilians and, and just laugh about it and twirl their mustache in a way that's just non plausible if they were actually trying to like functionally run anything. And, you know, this series just doesn't do that. It show it there's, they make concessions to deal with people like, whether it's like the fact that all the officers want to watch the eye sort of go over, over the, uh, over the base they they realize that and they sort of set it up so that it's skeleton crew so a bunch of guys can watch it maybe that's part of the inside job so that the heist works out but it still feels like all those guys were going to ask for time off to watch it either way you know it's cool another thing i like is the whole like they're doing all this stuff to try to you know put the put put the foot down on these um the oh i the adani aldani uh, uh Aldani Hill folk, sure. Yeah, and, and and the the hill like they don't give two craps about what the empire is doing for them. Like they're doing, like they're almost making them do it out of an inconvenience to the empire to continue to do this stuff. Yeah, um, like the empire saying, "Oh, we're setting up stuff." Like they don't think these people are in. I mean, they're really not in the in this, but it's showing that there's a distrust of the empire that they're not wanting to go with the flow but right it's it's cool because once again these officers are like oh they we we, we're gonna do this stuff for them for this time but next time they won't be up here and this won't be happening so it's one of those that they once again the the axe forgets we got a lot of that in this episode. Yeah, that's I mean, that's how si- uh, six starts. The commandant's given like a, a speech to the, the to the Imperial engineer who just showed up. And he's basically just talking about the history of how they've manipulated the Aldani and pacified them with token offerings. And and, uh, you know, they, they well, I mean, he does talk about how they I think he says they started out like 15 thousand or something and then he put like little bars along the way and basically the crowd that finally made it to burning man was only like 60 people from the original <laughs> I mean, it's the most imperialistic thing that has ever been done in you know representing the empire but yeah the the, the wear down of a, of a culture but think about this though this is what like the think about the budget he must have had for these like rest stops that had beer like how many of those did he build along the path just so that less guys would show up to the party and then even when they get there you have the commandant coming down and like giving like a, a goat pelt to these guys like this is what blew my mind like the level to which they were actually accommodating these guys rather than like doing like the cartoon empire thing where they just like close the gate and like if they try and get near the gate just start firing at them you know like this is it's feel it felt so practical to me in a way that's like 
that guy, that the commandant hated them. He was disgusted by them. Yet there he is in his uh, his Sunday best, handing over the goat pelt and participating in the, the ceremony. Well, we're seeing like this is some of the earliest empire we've seen. You know, uh, you gotta say where is this in relation to actual rebels? Like how far after rebels are we? Or is this before? It's a I think it's a little it's a little before because rebels ends at the Battle of Yavin as well as Rogue One basically, um... and it. It's probably a little before four years. Still, the Empire did have to ingratiate itself at some kind of level to be able to do anything. And we're just kind of seeing probably the end of that, the way he's talking about, oh, this great field we've got here. Yeah, I mean, this this planet's just perfect for as a way station, however they put it. They're just, oh, yeah, the shipyard's going to be here. It's four years, I think, before Rebels. And it's a year or two after Solo because... Andor was at that battle that uh, takes place in Solo. In Mimbam? Yeah. I think it's mentioned that that he was there. Now, I don't know how long that battle took place. It could have taken place for years, for all I know. I think he was actually on the other side. I think he talked about how that that, that whole battle was manipulated by the Well, Empire. yeah, he, he, was, he was at it in some capacity. Yeah. I don't know what, but it's mentioned in uh, Episode 4 that he was there. So... I, I guess Solo's canon again. As it should be, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I don't know about that. You're saying Solo's seven years after Revenge of the Sith, and you're saying Cassian was at the Battle of Mimban that's depicted in Solo. I don't know if that, I don't know if that adds up to me. Maybe there's a different ma- Battle of Mimban. He's been in this I, battle since he was six years old. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we see that, yeah. We, we see that. So I don't know what he was, yeah, you know what? We don't, we have a big gap there. We don't know what he was up to. But, uh, but, you know, it's just like like Russ was saying, like this is this is sort of how it would actually go down if it happened with real people. You know, like they 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 placate them. They they can't have it in the news that they just open fire on a bunch of goat herders. You know, it's just you can't let that. Somebody's gonna get a cell phone video of it, and then it's gonna be real bad press. You just can't do that, even though these guys, for practical purposes, are not really imperial citizens you know i don't think they're doing i think the 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 gdp of aldani is not nothing too special and i don't think these guys are paying their taxes anyway it's just like they're leaving them alone another thing i do want to point out that i kind of got from this is this isn't like we don't see stormtroopers we don't see a heavy heavy influence of the empire here in the sense of putting like a full garrison in like it's sort of like a checkpoint. I'm I'm gonna say checkpoint level of like, I'd say this place maybe has twenty to fifty people manning it. I have no clue about the airfield because the airfield seems to be more heavily like garrisoned. There was definitely more than yeah. There was definitely more than three Tie Fighters in the hangar, even though that's all that that left that day. You're just sending out a quick squad to respond to something like, yeah, it's not, you're not going to send all your ties out. So just just throwing that out. I mean, if we're jumping around that had, I mean, you guys had to love that scene of the, the I don't know why that whole tie fighter set up. And I got guy climbing in there just the way it was filmed, the way all of it was. I don't know. That, that was that was definitely, you know, it was a good build up. You're not seeing stormtroopers all the time either. So I saw them. I was like, oh, here we go. Did we even see stormtroopers in this? No, no, I don't think we, so. Yeah, I was about to say the closest we've gotten is Tie Fighter. I mean, Tie Pilots. Yeah, they're not. They weren't expecting to have a a a how you say ground assault at this base. 
Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, it's all it's all officers. And uh, I guess the guys who are like the the guys who the rebels are impersonating that Cassian and his crew, they have some thing like vaguely armor that looks vaguely like what General Veer's sort of wore, but a different uh, no helmet, I guess. But like, they, you know, those guys like m- looked like they might have w- might as well have been stormtroopers. It's, but uh, they maybe they invented a, a rank so that we could see their faces and they didn't have to wear helmets i don't know i i think the stormtroopers are a step up from like they they wouldn't send stormtroopers like they're the competent ones for some reason yeah i mean this place seems more important than moss Eisley to me but you know go figure you know they don't maybe they don't want to call attention to it yeah maybe they don't want to call attention. you know there was a video on youtube that was why would they have stored that much money at a random location like this and i didn't watch it so i guess i don't have the answer to that aside from we needed a heist it is th- weird to think about all the physical money of star wars being the thing it's never really been part of it i mean the first thing i think we ever saw any kind of money besides han solo tossing a quarter was han like taking briefcases of something and putting in some Millennium falcon in a new hope and then now you know later on we've learned about Beskar and all the different currencies and all that but never that much um, just credits what all that i mean it's just imperial credits all just rolled up in these weird coils like like that i've never seen that it's like they just got it from the casino yeah they're chips chips from the casino yeah um i was about to say if you want to move on to the eye yeah absolutely I gotta say that was one of the best buildups that they did over this little yeah. arc was when they because I think it was mentioned first in in uh, in the fourth episode that yeah this is also going to involve the most spectacular thing you've ever seen and we're in space and we all we and that this was going to be this great of a sky event and I was like I was more pumped for that than the heist itself I'm like I want to see this thing I'm going to get to see it right and yeah of course we did it was cool when are they going to get to the fireworks factory. That's, yeah, that's that's my best millhouse. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it was. It, I mean, they, I mean, it delivered. You know, it, like like coming out of coming out of at the end of episode five, Luthen's like her his shopkeeper employees like you know by tomorrow night whatever happens it's all going to be over and and then the the impatient audience collectively screamed it's not tomorrow night it's a week from now I can't possibly wait that long. It was literally later on, like after I hit skip a uh, recap. So, haha, take that. Nice. Yeah, because I told you I'm watching these in, in, in the chunks. I'm, I'm watching them as one. They delivered so hard on, on uh, episode six. And the, the mechanics of the heist are awesome. The, you know, uh, Val and Senta sort of split off and, and, uh, and, and go to put like a communications jammer somewhere along the, the damn wall, I guess. That, that was the whole, <laughs> the whole point of them veering off. I'm sorry. Just I, I know it's gonna come up. Yeah, the, put put somewhere along the damn wall. Well, that's where we live. A dam. But I, I yeah, I got very uh, got a little James Bondy there with them. We don't see much of that in Star Wars either. Yeah. It was very much. I, I felt like I was playing Goldeneye watching them to jump off that dam with the when they're repelling ropes. I liked how we didn't know the full like what they were doing. Like we kind of learned it as we were seeing it. We knew parts of it, but we didn't know it until like it was all said and done. So we didn't know if everything had gone wrong yet or not. Yeah. Well, apparently their jammer like sort of worked, but like not exactly like it It didn't jam their communications, which that guy just stumbled across by accident. 
That, yeah. was, that one Imperial guy did did his job for once. He he figured out something was going on, and he got the communications working. He got to call in the ties and everything. Yeah, they're, they're part of the – if it w- everything worked beautifully, it wouldn't have been a cool heist. The fact that, you know, a couple people got to get popped. Something's going to go kind of wrong, and you're barely going to get out. Most well, most of them were killed, right? <laughs> well, well, you, well, you get the whole buildup of like what's gonna what's what's gonna finally catch them. Is someone gonna break? Like someone gonna stand up and fight back? Are these ties that are coming in? Is that gonna be a? Is that gonna be part of this? Is you know this jammer thing not gonna work? Because there was one moment I thought that the group that they were supposed that they were impersonating. Like, I thought there was something to do with that when that one guy ran up and goes, sorry, we're late. And I'm like, oh, no, they're going to show up and it's going to have to be a shit. And nope, that wasn't it. Like, there was a lot of, like I said, since we did not know 100% of the plan, it was, there's balls in the air. Which ones do we need to pay? Like, it's sleight of hand. It's which one of this, what is going to bring this down or what's going to happen? Like, how is this going to fall apart? It felt like and, it was going to fall apart as soon as that, uh, the, the, I guess the top guy down there when he was like, you're not even gonna be able to, to get in. Like, yeah, I can open the door, but I can't do this. And they're like, go lying. Get down there. We're going to shoot your kids in the face. And they're like, all right, I don't know. I told you, I don't know. It's not going to work. It was a lot of back and forth of that. It was mm-hmm. like, you know, don't heavy stuff. It was good. I liked it. Like threaten it. more children, Star Wars. Yeah. Well, what am I saying? <laughs> They're always in threat in Star Wars. That's kind of what they do. You had to have that moment. Well, but you know, it's just hard to it's hard to marry the two realities of like in this show, the kid fakes sick to get out of going to public functions, and when he gets taken as a hostage, he does nothing and just listens to what the hostage takers say. In Kenobi, uh, Leia, like you know, diffuses the the hacked hangar doors while Roken just rotates in circles, not knowing what to do. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? They're not like you know. I'm sorry to bring, come bring it back to this, but they're not in the same universe, and it's like it's too hard for my brain to like marry them. But you know, this is so it's so it's like it's so practical and grounded that like I'm engaged while watching it. You know what I mean? Like I, like it just keeps me. It keeps me in it. I can't, I can't, I can't believe that I can like genuinely like say that I'm like a hundred percent behind this. Like you don't know how unreal that is to me. <laughs> it's it's just, after the last year of like of of content to come out. Like it is kind of shocking to be like I'm all back in because it's like it started. It was like a slow decline since Man- last Mando season came out. It was like. It was like Boba Fett. Okay. Oh, 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 no, no. Don't worry. We got Obi-Wan. Oh, 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 oh no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where are we going? But then I was like, oh, Andor. Like, well, we don't care anymore. But, yeah. And they, they pulled you right back in. Yeah. I was like, if, if if you gave me a list beforehand of which one of these I was excited for, I think Andor would not even make the list. I would We've been making you- fun of this show for almost like three years. <laughs> it seems like we're like, we can't wait for uh, Antillian Candor or whatever it is. Like, we get, there's been a million names for it. And now we're just like, hey, I'm, I apologize. This is great. Um, no, I mean, I, I, I like the whole ice aspect. I like them getting out and everything. Um, the poetic... I don't want to say poetic yeah. justice, but the, the 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 one guy who had the timer above his head on, he's too um, heartfelt and likable of a character and too ambitious to live, gets smashed by the very thing that they're trying to, like the metaphor and all that stuff, and 
that 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 whole thing that he still operated the thing and got all I I liked all that. He was all I, in for the cause, and we got yeah. to we got to see kind of an alien that Doctor Sextopus guy that they had to take him to. Uh, yeah. They're very mouse canada humanish, but yeah. uh, six appendage man. Like I'm glad I, I I I can't believe yeah like I should have had better notes for this, but like I don't I don't know if if, if one of you has the Wikipedia handy, but the the young guy who died. I rest in peace. Can't remember your name, but you're a great character and you're made a better character by dying. Um, you know, like, like it's like the, the, they're, they're loading up the train. They take like an eighth of the like space gold that's in there. Like, (laughs) and it's like some, apparently it's 80 million credits and you know, the commandant dies of a heart attack. Maybe he didn't die. If he didn't die, he's going to be heart attacks don't exist in star Wars. Well, but he's expanded since he last put on his dress uniform. So he might be in prime condition to, to have a heart attack space attack. It's called a space attack. I mean, first of all, he says he's going to womp his kid with the back of his hand. And then he, and then he, and then, you know, he he threatens to hit his kid. And then he's, and then his wife's like, you know, you've basically gotten fatter since you last wore this. And he says nothing about that, which I, you know, that's the least believable thing so far. He would have, he would have said something salty back at her at that one because this guy's just this guy's just fired up. But he gets smacked though. He gets backhanded, which is great. <laughs> I, I love that part. He just yeah. gets whack. Yeah, he just can't believe what's happening. Like it shocks him, you know. But uh, you know, but anyways, he he falls down to the, while they're loading up the train, he falls down with a heart attack. The, the the firefight is awesome because like there's this one shot where it's sort of uh, I can't remember who if it's it's sort of rack focuses from like somebody taking cover behind, you know, some space crate and then it pulls focus forward towards uh, Cassian or somebody hiding. And like they did the like sort of fake, like blurry highlight bokeh effect on a couple blasters, like hitting that space crate. And like, just it looked perfect. Like they actually had practical like explosives hitting that crate. Maybe they did. And they just animated the laser in, but uh, you know, it just, the, four or five people get shot in this this firefight at the train and they all die in one hit this is just unprecedented shocking <laughs> star wars action like yeah and, and the characters don't get like the drawn out death sequence either where it's like i got hit i'm gonna sit here yeah. and tell you what to... i mean the kid does get this guy to a mod quick we'll make him a robot yeah they brought him to dr sextopus but they could have brought him to a mod guy but that because that wasn't around quite yet. But even the guy, even the guy who was the the uh, the guy who was formerly a stormtrooper, who who sort of marched them in, just he gets, was like just gets hit. Yeah, he was training just them how hit. to walk. He, you know, what was the and Karis Nemec is actually the uh, the the writer who passed on. His name yeah. is Karis Nemec. Remember? His okay, name. Nemec. All right. So, but yeah, his you know, name was Karis Menek. <laughs> Charismatic. Yeah. Yes, charismatic. That's how I remember. Oh. <laughs> I think you're messing with me now. That would be like a Pablo Hidalgo like character name if it was real. But but you know the guy who was the stormtrooper he gets shot. They like look at his dead body for like half a second before getting on the train. Like there's no fanfare. He's not partially still alive. Looking at them like he's already dead. And when they by the time they get on the train, like I feel like I didn't even see half of these guys go down. Like there's Namek, uh, Skeen. Val and Cassian by the time they get on the train. That's it. Uh, I was about to say, uh, Gorn just gets randomly shot at some point. Yeah. Um, 
it's like like it's just random it's just it's it's not like some big fanfare it's just they randomly just get hit and just go down and it's the whole like they knew what they signed up for it's the it's they they need to get this up and up and going like the only ones that really technically need to survive are are nimic to an extent and andor and clem so i guess because he's yeah definitely not nimic yeah yeah well i said to a point to a point he has to survive it's already known that Clem is his father's name, correct? Cassian's father. I just thought he. I don't know where you got that from, but I'm buying it. No, it is true. Yes, that is true. Actually. All right. Well, that's. I'm. We are. We're jumping all over the place like crazy. But I. I. You know, it's been a few days since I watched this. But like. But like. So you know, Val. Val is. Uh, Val made it on the train. Skeen and Nemec and Cassian, and then Senta was like, still. Yeah. What is she doing? She's walking out the front door. She's yeah. <laughs> she just walked out the front door with the all the all, yeah. all the celebrate the celebrants at the the eye. She just like nothing ever happened. Like yeah. well, she has an imperial officer uniform on. Yeah, yeah. When she gets outside, so like I don't know if she's gonna try and blend in with the crowd afterwards, but I feel like that crowd's gonna get some extra scrutiny after the night's events. But um, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But 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 just getting back to uh, getting back to um. Nemec. Yeah. Charismatic yeah, so, Nemec. Yeah. So, I mean, Nemec gets, you know, they didn't secure the cargo and he literally just gets his bottom half. He got smashed hard. By like a, by like a skid of gold. <laughs> it's like, and, and. Suffering from success, literally. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and most of the stuff is very practical and sort of believable in terms of like, if you, if you sort of suspend your disbelief that that type of ships and all the technology can exist, the only that it got me a little bit when they, they give, uh, they give Namek some morphine and he's, he manages to articulate, uh, just climb, dive, very vague directions to Cassian that somehow saved their lives. He's like, I shouldn't climb. You're like, climb. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> he, he it, that was like the equivalent of, of plugging Lando's droid into the Falcon real quick before you know he completely dies. Like we need him and his old school tech to get us out of here with his yeah. his space binoculars. Yeah. Well, no, that's uh, yeah, exactly. So like you know, I think maybe at one point he he throws like a five point two or something on the end yeah. of dive. You know, so he, he gives it a couple numbers so it's not completely ridiculous, but. But, uh, you know, he gets through that. And I what and and I mean, a lot of people have been pointing out, you know, uh, on the way to the heist, Cassian says to him, you'll, you'll sleep when it's over. Like, oh, right. In the oh. Field. You know what I mean? But uh, but but, you know, I love how like after he sort of directs them, he doesn't like he has no he has no death scene, really. Like we don't see him talk again until it's over. And, you know, they they stop. They stop at the this doctor. And this is actually not the first uh, vaguely orange uh, four-armed alien that looks sort of like a human, but he's orange and he has four arms that we've seen in Star Wars. The first one, I mean, for the four, the the like sort of the meme it's of the four-armed alien in Star Wars goes back to the holiday special with uh, Chef Gormanda. Of course, everybody knows that. But um, but the next one after that was um in the droids cartoon. They go into they go into a cantina and there's a guy running a cantina who's also orange and has four arms, just like this doctor. So, all right, I like I like the 
I'm glad that that's in- oh I I gotta say it's probably more of a, a throw to the holiday special probably they wanted to put something in like let's legitimize it just a little bit we'll get Doctor Sextopus in there yeah well you know you got I mean they're basically humans and that have forearms and they're a bit orange I guess Chef Gormanda falls into that category too right and then you know of course the the uh, the pe- the the uh, Chef Gormanda's dark past as yeah. the rebels or doctor. Yeah, you know, and but there's a there's a hilarious cantina owner who's orange and has four arms and like gets comedically like uh, pissed off by R two and three PO in the droids cartoon. It's pretty good, but uh, you know, and then and then you have the ultimate four armed cantina owner uh, Dexter Jetster, but he's a whole whole other thing. But you know, it's it wasn't the first time we've seen th- that sort of alien. It could possibly be a holiday special and or droids cartoon reference, which is nice. Um, and what, but, but you know, when I first saw this, this forearm doctor who, if you put subtitles on, apparently has a really stupid name that relates to him be having forearms, kind of like Dr. Mandible from a book of Boba Fett or Mandalorian. Quato. Dr. Quati, yeah. It's like Dr. Forearms, basically. But, uh, you know, I, when I first saw him working on, working on, uh, the, the guy, like he has this big syringe he's putting in there and I'm like, what is with these guys thinking? That they can, you know, they gave him a syringe on the ship. I guess that was just painkillers. But you know, you don't cure a completely obliterated spine with syringes. Whatever you, whatever you know, the doctor's working on him, and I was just like, he better not just be fine in about a couple seconds. And I just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing when they pulled the sheet over him. And you know, Cassian had just shot skiing outside after he tried to sort of double cross them and take half the credits. And you realize that the only reason they made it to the doctor was because Skeen wanted to 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 pull over somewhere so he could steal the the prize. Mm-hmm. And 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 and, uh, you know, they didn't save him. They didn't save the guy anyways. So, like, you know, even so out of the four of them who made it, two of them are already dead just because of this. Yeah. And Cassian's out, essentially. Yeah. So, you know, high margins on the heist because Val's showing up alone with it, basically. And. You know, I just like it's it's powerful stuff, man. Like they pull like the sheet over the kid and like I just like are they actually doing this? I can't believe it, man. And you know how quick he kills Skeen when he starts like scheming. Cassian just blows him away. And I'll, I, like, I 100% think that that was a I kill him before he kills me. Like this this guy having this conversation with me is he's testing the water and if i don't do what he wants i'm dead and i think cassian's been feeling him out he goes i don't have a i don't have a brother yeah. my brother wasn't a farmer he, he knew that he 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 was lying to him from the start yeah he lied to everybody because he was told to tell him the story of why he's joining the little band mm-hmm. i no. i guarantee and it's showing how because everyone's like oh god cassian killed that one guy Right at the beginning of Rogue One, it's like, yeah, that wasn't his first time. Yeah, like he has, he's mission orientated. Yeah, I I do like um, Skarsgård's characters stuff. That I I know we're not talking about Mom Mothma that much because I think we're gonna bu- build into more with her as time goes on. Like she's a through line, uh, Skarsgård's character. I liked how when he changed the outfit. Yeah, like, a different this, guy. Yeah, no, no, he changes the outfit, and I like how he's sitting there in the mirror, and he gets into his character and everything. I, I'm doing an impression of it, but it's audio, so you won't see it. But they stellar, will. It's a stellar yeah. impression. Yeah, no, no, no. It, it, it was. I, I like that, and I, I like how he is like a di- like. That's why he's so good at what he does. I, 
I, I, I like all the acting. I like the choices. I know we didn't talk about Mom Mothma stuff that much because I feel, I feel like, like there's not a lot to talk about. Yeah, what's it's her? just her and her husband having these tension moments. Evidently, there's a daughter. There's a bit to talk about. Yeah, there's a little bit to talk about. Like, Mon Mothma's husband is hilarious, For first of all. He's a player. He's awesome. Yeah, he's like, must everything be sad and boring? When he said that, I was like... I love this man. And like he reminds me of like he, he reminds me of like hedonism bought from Futurama or something. Like I don't, like, I don't think he's actually in, into Mon Mothma. I think he it was a you know it was a politically opportune marriage. He might you know he might he might uh he might have alternate persuasions. It's just you know it was the right thing at the right time. And 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 you know he just likes doing having big parties and drinking wine and like. You know, I'm sorry, Chris. Living the life. <laughs> You've you've got me one hundred percent thinking of just every scene, but instead it's heated as a butt, just sitting there being like, "Palma oil on me, on Mothma." Yeah, I mean, like I don't know, and and like he's so he's he's so un, uninterested in the kid, like the kid, like it's weird. The kid's not bothered. Like Mon Mothma's like, yeah, I'll go to your soccer practice, and she's like, yeah, I know you're just doing it to take pictures and stuff, and like. Ooh. Does the dad even like there was it even in the cards that he was gonna go? Like I don't. It's it's like there's no emphasis on like what their relate the kid and and the dad's relationship is. Doesn't remember the driver's name ever, but he did ask for it. He's definitely skating by on her, you know, wealth and everything. It seems like he's just the tag along husband. He's like, I'm just having a good time. I don't care about whatever you're getting to. She's super serious about everything, of course. And he just likes running the parties. He heard a rumor that he that she bought him in some sort of antique present. And he's like, ooh, a present. <laughs> present. Oh, my God. I just realized their relationship is mine and Ellie's. I just sort of skate by. <laughs> And kind of appear at things for pictures. Amon Ellie and uh, and Hedonism (laughs) Zinger. (laughs) Paul Mama Bangles wins on me. So there's a daughter nearby to roll her eyes at any point, just like in the show. There you go. There's your Halloween costumes. There you go. Uh, What I love about this even more is that we know this family falls apart. (laughs) Wait, what? Like you know, like I don't Quinch believe oh. I don't believe Mon <laughs> I don't believe Mon Mothma Jr. is hanging out on on the rebel base on Yavin. Like I just I think she would just rather stay on Coruscant and like do her thing. You know, she's a rebellious teenager by that time, and like you know, the divorce happened. Rebelling against your rebelling parent. Woof. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I like because like she's just gone, and I love the fact that like that like. You know, in times of war, it's not even according to Disney, it's not the worst thing to be a complete absentee parent if more important things are going on. There's a galaxy of kids I'm worrying about. All right. This <laughs> one is already spoiled enough. She's fine. I like it. Yeah, it's good. It's good. I was about to say, I don't I don't know if you guys have anything else. I was going to say final thoughts. Yay, nay, better. I mean, I, th- I think it's very obvious. We're all very impressed with this one because I actually remembered stuff and had something to say on the opposed to the first three episodes where i was like it's a slow burn like too slow like yeah like a couple like this cup of water it's a very tiny cup for you listening could could very well put out the flames of i mean the embers i mean the spark i mean the matchstick of rebellion but it's it's all building up though and it's gonna see you're gonna see i'm liking it oh less and it's gonna be 
great because they're taking their time on it. And I don't think that we've ever seen it in a Disney Plus show where they're actually taking their time and actually developing it. Where, yeah, he does meet, he meets some kooky people through his journeys, but, you know. It doesn't seem like filler. Like, we get that feeling from Mando a lot. We're like, we know this is filler where you just go do a one-off adventure. Like, this is not. This is a build-up adventure where you get to care about the people. Even though they might just get to take a pot shot. Some of yeah. them, some of them take yeah. pot shots. Some of them have more dramatic deaths. But of course, I'm five thumbs up. I'm loving it so far. I'm kind of looking forward. I, I think the next episode is, is going to be kind of like a little more of a standalone thing that I see. Episode seven. Uh, looking forward. It, it's just going to be. I, I think we're going to learn a little more about Cassian and uh, I think Cyril. I just going to. I think it's going to be about those two. I think those are our. That's our antagonist. Uh, and, and we need. We need to kind of their their relationship is mirroring more and more. Kids has lost their dad really young. They end up in some kind of fight uh, that they weren't really a part of. Him turning into a, a basic police officer and or turning into a rebel. They're at each one is at the other's throat. I think these are the two forces that are going to come together. I think, I don't know, it's going to be some kind of standalone about them two and their rise. And then we'll go on to the bigger arc. I will give Russ credit on this because there is evidence because this is the only one directed and written by the the writers. This is their only episode and the director has this episode and then the last two episodes. So you might be on to something there. I think it's going to take off. I think we've been going through these build-up build-ups. I think we got, I think this is the pivot point of the show where we're really going to kind of figure out where this is going. I think both of our characters are going to figure out where they're going. By the end of it, next one, I think Andor knows where he's going, and Cyril definitely is going to be on something. I don't think it has to do with his uncle. I think that's going to go badly. I think he's going to, uh, there's going to be something different. He's probably going something. to, he's probably going to link up with that, uh, the female ISB agent. I can see that. I can see him. once he gets in there, he shows her that picture of Andor that he's got. He's yep. helping. Yeah, I heard somebody speculating that Uncle Harlow, who's going to give him the job hookup, is the old guy running the ISB. That'd be cool. Oh. I don't know if or not, but uh, that, like that seems like it would fit fit with everything. Now everything's getting connected. Mm. I feel like the usual suspects are going to sit there and have like little shots of film of. Did you catch this? But I mean, you know, te- but I mean, technically, these ISB guys that we're seeing like that, you might you might say that makes it small if, if that's Uncle Harlow. But technically, those guys don't really have a lot to do with our other cast of characters. Like one of them is responsible for the planet among many, many other planets. One of them was, was responsible for Ferrix. But beyond that, they don't really have a lot connection to the main characters. Actually, um, fun thing, a sector for Star Wars, I think a 10-planet system, is about a 10-planet system. The one um, chick is in charge of three sectors, which means she's in charge of about 30-some planets, while other officers are in charge of, like, seven. But apparently hers might be more important. That's why she has... She's... That's some stuff I caught from that. Also, whenever I see Mon Mothma, I automatically think it says Mothman, so that's on me. I, I see Russ smiling so big right now. My man, the Mothman. <laughs> Perfect. All right, well, yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I'm, If you can't tell, I'm loving it. I think it's definitely the best Star Wars show on Disney+. Plus. I don't, I'm like, am I crazy? Am I going to eat my words? It's, it's, we're halfway through the season. I can't, I just don't think they're capable of nosediving it at this point. No, they can't. They have a 
They have a reference to Starkiller, so automatically I'm loving this. And I know there's an Atmosphere Star Destroyer coming soon. Like, there has to be. It showed it at... This is the best show ever. In the Filoni-verse. There's still clone troopers that we haven't seen. First time ever with practical suits. What the heck is going on here? That's nuts. And I mean, that's like memberberry, like reference type stuff, which they've had basically none of so far. Uh, I just it, like, I I don't know, like the parts of Kenobi I, I enjoyed came with like 48 asterisks and caveats. And like, I just don't feel any of that here. And, uh, like, I, I'm pretty confident that I'm not going to be eating my words. I think this is the best thing they've, they've done. It's, like, it's, it's, it's comparable to Rogue One, but I think this takes itself even more seriously than Rogue One took itself, to be honest. Yeah, I think there's less hands mixing up because we don't know what the original version of Rogue One looked like. I heard you guys even speculating about that. There's scenes in that movie that stand out so much, like when K2SO shows back up to that fight and then disappears quickly after. It just like it screams like that was reshot. Like that's it always takes me out of it. But I don't think there's many hands in this. Like you guys were saying last time, uh, this was the show that you know was the the afterthought. It was filmed so long ago, probably pre-COVID, and that they were worried about other things. They just let them do this, and it, it turned out great. Like, let him do this more. You might be onto something with that theory of the ISB major because it only just says major part partgars. Um, so I mean, we don't know what what's his name's last name is or anything. But he said he didn't think he should have gotten into policing, which I feel like ISB's vaguely policing. So who knows? That would be a convenient way to get him back into the plot without having. Without, without him having to go rogue and, like, find mercenaries to, like, help him track down Cassie and, you know, he doesn't seem like the type who could pull off something like that. No, he seems definitely more wants to go, uh, like, his father before him as, as, a, as an official deputized officer of whoever the hell is in control, be it the Bespin security force or the Empire. But I'm hoping it's the Empire. They do look like the Bespin security force. I never oh, put that. Oh, big time. I think he I think he was crafting it to it almost like their original ones didn't look the one he when he tightened up his uniform. Like, wow, you really this is pre Bespin guys. Wow. So like are the Vespin security guards like corporate goons that are they like the same thing? That they I never be. how did I not notice that? They, They're pretty close. They could be because it's uh what is it? They were independent and contractors. Contractors. So they could yeah. be holdovers from a security group. And I've seen reports that the Gilroys only had the really crappy action figures as kids. <laughs> so Prune <laughs> Face is probably gonna show up. There's gonna be a bunch of more Bespin guards. Lobot. All the humans. Yeah. No aliens. That's, that's what we've gotten so far. They, they used to get so desperate when they break, they'd stick two arms on another guy like this is Dr. Sex, the guy. Okay. Yeah. They drew him. They used marker to draw a beard on their Han Solo. Yeah. It's, you know, I, all right. So this is, this is awesome. We're all loving it. Um, Zinger, you got anything else there? No, nah, man, I'm, 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 I'm ready to wait three weeks and watch the next one. Oh wow! I can't. I I I applaud your commitment to doing that. It's it's just because I know it's connected, and due to the fact, like with the other ones, I'd wake up super early, and this is one of those I want to pay attention to and watch thoroughly because I feel like it's. Whereas, I feel like the other Star Wars shows have been a great fast food meal. I feel this is a sit down and dine meal. If that makes any sense, dude, the other Star Wars shows are like a, re a repeating sequence of MCU and credit scenes. To, there's like four things to be spoiled about 
every week when one of those other shows comes out, like whether it's Obi-Wan or the book of Boba Fett, there'll be something that you'll be spoiled about. It'll be a character appearance or something. Oh, nothing in this. Yeah. I haven't seen the dummies like spoiling stuff online because like they don't even know what's going on. They're bored. It's great. You just show a random image like, well, this doesn't mean anything. You have some people sitting around, guy walking, oh, something blowing up. Yeah, they don't know how to craft it into an article headline that spoils like the end plot in one sentence. It's it's fantastic the way it's almost it, it almost feels designed that way. So that's great. We all love it. That's awesome. I, Zach couldn't be here tonight, but uh, I had one interaction with Zach last week that I that, that I want to share. He reminded me that that uh, it was the the last day of being able to pre-order Boba Fett's throne room on Hasbro's pulse, which is the, the play set that comes with fat bib Fortuna carded. And it's like Jabba's throne with like 50 little cups and pillows and stuff. And I'm going to dress it up as Jabba's throne. But I think Zach's really got his eyes on a carded fat bib Fortuna because somehow that represents the very best of star Wars to him in some way. So he reminded me that that was, it was the last day of that. And I ordered a couple of those. And I'm pretty excited about that look, looking like Jabba's palace in a beautiful diorama. And I think Zach just thinks Fat Bib Fortuna is a cultural meme of some kind. Yeah, I could use a Fat Bib Fortuna, but I'm not popping on that. I already got a Jabba thing. Uh, what, what, what was I, I, I? Okay, if we're talking about interactions we had with Zach, I messaged him uh, the other day and um, said, "Was it perfect?" And he goes, "You're going to be more a tad bit more specific." And I showed him a picture of Black Adam, and then I went, "Wait a second. You guys are just standing in front of the standee. That movie's not out yet. Never mind. So I said, oh, well, it's it's will be perfect in the fall of the MCU. And he said it has Henry Cavill as Superman in it. So absolutely. Yes. And then he sent me something that was supposed to go to somebody else and said that was the wrong that went to the wrong person. So wow. OK, well, mine was about Star Wars. But um, yeah, some people watch Black Adam, I guess. That's the thing. The Rock's 50 years old and he's making a superhero debut. What a world. We, what a time to be alive. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, um, I hope everybody ordered their fat bib for tuna. Um, if we're, <laughs> if we're if we're if we're if we're wrapping up here, um, you know, we tell we tell you it every episode. But uh, as you can find me at the Chris Porteous on Instagram and you can follow Knights of Vader on Instagram at KOV podcast. Zinger, you want to plug any nonsense going on on Zing this? Oh yeah, I I I'd actually love to plug the fact that the Bengals beat the the Saints today. That I mean, that just all happened. right, all right. <laughs> uh, you go. We're starting to get into the fantasy world of of, of Star Wars and Andor magic. No, 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 I gotta bring you back down to the real world. Gotta oh, bring you back in. Remind you, Taysom Hill's a beast. But I gotta remind you yeah, what's going on in the real world. Um. No, you can, of course, find Zing this wherever you find great podcasts. We're, of course, in the middle of Zingtober, leading up to our adventures in the world of cereal. Because I'm going to be doing, we're going to be doing a role play where we go through the creative world of different cereal mascots and stuff. Like we've done in the past with Robot Apocalypse. But this is a cereal apocalypse, so definitely tune in um, Halloween night for that one. Cool. Russ, what's going on with Unbelievers and Zona Del Silencio? Yeah, check out Unbelievers Podcast and check out the other show, Zona Del Silencio. Go follow at Zona Del Podcast on Instagram or Twitter. It's out there. Go check it out. Joe? Well, taking a little hiatus from the Wheel of Convo right now. Uh, it's football season, so Corey's hmm. watching football. So, uh, but no, you know, I came into this and I was always the Debbie Downer of the group when it came to this Disney Plus Star Wars, you know, coming in with the Bad Batch and 
it was blatant to me that the horrible stuff always stuck with me. And right now it's like, I can't even find anything horrible about this show. And it's because they're not throwing it out at us left and right. And it's not right in your face. So it's, it's, I think it's a good turn. Hopefully it's something that they'll accentuate on and not have to wait till season two of Andor to see, see them come up and out of it. Awesome. Completely agree. And you know, if I want, if I can leave the listeners with anything, I want you to really concentrate right now. So this works and now really think hard about this and think about Mon Mothma's husband. And every time you imagine him and see him in a subsequent episode, I really want you to think of hedonism bot and try to try really hard to connect those two things in your mind. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next time when we cover the next three episodes and have a good night. Remember Andor down with the empire. Thank you.